Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. And uh, the name of this talk radio show is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives or at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of this show is to remind people that we should unite and effectuate change at the ballot box, at the state and the federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. And I would like to remind the audience that in California, judges are elected or they have to all face re-election even if they were appointed by the governor. So your power at the power box is import at the ballot box is important. Today I'm going to try to introduce a new segment to this show, and it's going to be called Case of the Week. Um, during the week, I'm you know at several different juvenile dependency courts in California and different counties. And sometimes I come across, you know, not sometimes, all the time, I come across cases that I find uh, are interesting. I come across things that I can't believe and, um, you know, hard to swallow. And I, I want to share those with you. I won't be telling you the names of the of the children. That's illegal. I, I won't even be telling you the names of the um, of my clients because that's uh, protected by confidentiality. But I will uh, be talking about that. Right off the show, before I start taking calls, I'm going to tell you about a case that I did this week. Um, it was a case where um, the social workers had alleged that my client um, should lose her child because she had been using uh, drugs. And they have all of these allegations about her drug, her drug history, her um you know, what she's, her criminal record, what she's doing now. The interesting thing is that the case is kind of old and it's just going to trial. And uh, my client uh, had gotten into a, a bunch of drug programs, uh, had done parenting, drug counseling, drug testing, and she's been doing very well. And uh, at one point, the social worker's attorney told me that they would agree for the mother to move back in the home with the child and the father. The father had the child, and the mother was living separately. Um, but we couldn't agree upon language, and in any event, the minor's attorney would not agree to allow my client to move back into her home. Um, and she <clears throat> told me that she was going to argue uh, that to the judge, whether my client did some type of deal with the county or not. So that mixed the deal. Um, and we, uh, you know, we had to start trial. Um, during the trial, uh, the social worker gets on the stand, and I was cross-examining her. And something occurred to me, um, because they were talking about drug testing, uh, during the time from when they took the child up into the you know, time of the trial, which had been several months, um, my client had been testing clean except for one time tested uh, positive for alcohol or allegedly tested positive for alcohol. 
the funny thing is that my client doesn't drink. It's not her, or it never was her drug of choice. So we started talking about that positive test because that's what they were really using to hammer her and, you know, not allow her back home. So I started asking questions as if the alcohol testing were in a regular civil case or in a criminal case. Because it's always occurred to me that um, drug testing results in juvenile dependency cases are not admissible unless you or your attorney don't object to it. Now, for a piece of evidence to get into a a piece of uh, scientific result like a drug test, to get into evidence, it has to... um, pass over several different evidentiary hurdles. And in the past, most people look at those evidentiary hurdles as one. If you, if you get over one hurdle, it's automatically in. That's not true under the evidence code. So I started questioning this um, uh, witness about something in California called the Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, Fry, F-R-Y, F-Y-R-E test, Kelly Fry test. In California, most attorneys know that as, um, you know, you can't get something into evidence, a scientific result like a drug test, until it passes the Kelly Fry test. Well, I have made that argument occasionally over the years, and I get snickers, and I look at, you know, people give me looks like, are you crazy? This is not a criminal case. This is not a regular civil case. It's a juvenile case. So when I started asking the worker about some of the requirements um, in this particular drug testing for my client, where there was allegedly an alcohol, uh, positive alcohol test, um, you know, the county council, the social worker's attorney, and the minor's council were objecting. They were objecting all over the place. And I pointed out to the judge um, that the, the social worker could testify to it um, based upon their special exception for hearsay because social workers get to bring in hearsay or write about hearsay. They don't get to talk about it, in my opinion. They can write about it in um, in, uh, in their reports. But I think the judge understood where I was going with it, and he overruled all of their objections. So when I started asking about, you know, uh, the requirements of Kelly Fry, and, and of course, layman's terms, uh, the social worker couldn't answer it. And the judge kind of was, uh, the expression on his face was like, you know, oh, this is not good for the social worker. Now, that's my interpretation of the judge. I don't know if he's going to eventually rule in my favor because the case had to be continued. Um, but one of the things I was asking the social worker about was, hey, you know, um, do you know the testing procedures at uh, at the drug uh, facility? And she said, yeah, your client goes and she pees in a cup and they test it. And uh, it came back positive for alcohol. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, did anybody um, uh, watch her, you know, urinate in this cup? I don't know, was the answer. I asked her, I said, well, touch that cup before it was actually tested. I don't know. I said, um, what precautions were taken to make sure that my client's sample wasn't mixed up with somebody else's sample? I don't know. I don't know if they had those procedures. I said, well, what type of drug test did they submit the 
you know, the urine to, because there's three major drug tests, testing things that they do. And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, did you know um, that each type of test scientifically has a plus or minus error rate? In other words, anyone could take a test right now, and there's a plus or minus maybe 3 to 5% that you're going to get a wrong result. Sometimes, you know, very few times you're going to get a false positive. Very few times you're going to get a false negative. But it seems like social workers uh, in cases that I've been involved with, and this is statewide, don't want to recognize that built-in error rate. Scientific tests are not 100% reliable. Now, they may be be 97% or 95% reliable, but when you're talking about someone's kids and you're going to take, you know, rely on some type of scientific children away from them, it's like sending them to jail. So you better make sure that you that this test is reliable and everything has been, you know, all the procedures have been um, been followed. One of the things that I realized also, and we haven't gotten to this part of the case, is, is that um, when you have a, a, a a positive test, there has to be procedures to allow you um, and your attorney to retest that uh, urine sample. In this particular case, um, I'm in the process of finding out, and I think I've discovered that when this testing facility bid on this county contract for uh, testing, one of the things that they apparently said, and I have to verify this in a contract, was that, you know, people would have the right to retest. Well, since that's rarely done, apparently this particular vendor for the county who does the testing hasn't been, you know, saving these samples because hardly anybody ever asked to be retested. In our particular case, we've asked to have the sample retested by our own um, drug testing facility, and apparently they can't find my client's urine sample. So that's going to be a big problem. One of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to move to exclude that test based upon the fact that we weren't allowed to retest it for ourselves. Now, I've been involved in some cases in Los Angeles County where we have been able to retest uh, the sample. Sometimes the results come out good for us. Sometimes they come out bad for us. But um, you should always have that ability to retest. So that case is going to continue in a couple of weeks, and I'll keep you posted and let you know what happened with respect to the uh, drug testing issue. Um, but that's something that um, if you do have an attorney, you might want to talk to your attorney about. Every attorney, every attorney will have a different opinion. Uh, my opinion is, and, and you can share this with the attorney, that a drug test gets to come, in ev- come into evidence just in the social worker's report only, only satisfies the hearsay uh, exception. There is still the scientific requirements uh, set forth by Kelly Fry um, in California. And if you mention those cases to the attorney, they'll probably raise their eyebrow because they probably haven't uh, thought about that case since the law, those cases since the law school exam. But there is something called Kelly Fry, and before scientific evidence, like a drug test, can be admitted against you. The proponent of that evidence, the social worker, has to prove certain things. They just can't say, oh, the drug testing facility said you tested positive. Now, 
if you have tested positive or you knew you were going to test positive, there's no need in wasting everybody's time <clears throat> arguing about the Kelly Fry and about, uh, you know, retesting the, the sample. Um, that's not going to help you or your attorney with credibility in, in front of the judge because you get it retested by your own uh, expert and uh, things come out positive. Uh, that's going to make it even worse, in my opinion, for you. So that's just going to be my new segment, Case of the Week, um, before I start taking calls. Um, I am going to take a call right now. There's someone that called in really early into the show, before the show began. It's area code 951, and the number ends in 10. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis, and get your kids back now. Good morning. Did you have a story to share with us or a question to ask? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I actually had okay. called in and spoke with you um, on an evening show about six months ago. My um, my little baby had been taken from the hospital because she was born um, addicted to methadone, and then also they had found the marijuana, which was an illegal substance. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just nervous. Um, Anyway, so here we go. Fast forward now. We're coming up on our six-month review next month. And we've done everything that we're supposed to do. You know, we've done the parenting classes. We've done two of them. We've, um, we go to our meetings. We go to about five or six meetings a night, you know, the NA meetings. We have sponsors, letters from our sponsors. We've been testing clean. Um, we do the counseling. You know, we, and we don't screw around. You know, we don't miss any appointments. When I say we, I'm referring to my husband. We don't miss any appointments. You know, we're not late. We go to all of our, you know, kids, our baby visits and everything like that. We get along well with the foster mom. Um, just everything's going, you know, as far as we're concerned, you know, and, and everything's documented, of course, that I'm saying, you know, um, we're doing everything and more. The only thing that's holding us up is the fact that we're on the methadone and therefore do not qualify to um, participate in a formal drug program like MFI or, you know, one of these other places. They won't, they won't take us. We've been slowly detoxing off the methadone. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with methadone, but it's not it's not something you taper off very quickly. You know, it's a very long process. So I'm slowly at like two milligrams every two weeks since I gave birth, and I'm about sixty something, sixty three milligrams right now. When I gave birth, I was at ninety five. So anyway, so it's, it's a slow process. Now the social worker, she just she does not like the methadone. It's just she she wants us off now. And she's talked to our counselor over there at the methadone clinic. The methadone clinic counselor has worked with us for a long time, you know, since we've been going there. And, you know, her her opinion is, and the doctor's opinion is that, you know, you need to go slow and steady. You know, we've we've not relapsed. We've done really well. You know, she's afraid for us to go any faster. Um, so, but here's the thing. Now, we're still at two monitored visits. The six-month review is coming up, and they're going to request another six-month of services. And my concern is nothing is going to change between next month and another six months as far, with respect to us being on methadone. We're still going to be in the detox um, process and therefore still not qualify for any formal drug treatment program. And okay. my concern Hold is they're, they're head, yeah. I want to stop you because I'm glad you, you, you came up with this or you shared this factual scenario. May I tell you what I would do? Um, if I were working on your case hmm. in order to get your child back? Yes, please. Okay, so 
first of all, tell me what county is your case in? It's Riverside County. Okay. So Riverside has three juvenile dependency courts. Who is your, what juvenile dependency court are you in? Are you in the Riverside one, the Marietta one, or the Indian one? Farm the County Farm Road in Riverside. Okay. okay. Now, when you walk into County Farm Road, there's only two juvenile dependency courtrooms. There's some other mm-hmm. juvenile delinquency courtrooms, but you are either to the right all the way to the end of the uh, hallway yes. or to the left. Which to the left, to the left, to the left all the way down. Oh. I think it's day two. Okay. Do you know um, who the judge is in there now? You know, it was Jackson, but then for whatever reason, the second court appearance we went to, it, it was a temporary judge and it wasn't Judge Jackson. But I think Jackson is the one who's supposed to be. Okay, so Judge Jackson is when you walk into the building, you walk all the way to the right. No, it's all the way to the left, right? It's all the way to the left of the building. Yeah, it's all the way to the left. So maybe okay. I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Okay. But it's the very so, last, uh, very far to the left, yeah. Okay. So Judge Jackson, in my opinion, is one of the fairest judges down there. Judge Jackson is your judge. I think you're in pretty good shape. She's pro-family. Okay. Okay. Sometimes is, I think is, in practice. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The, um, well, the one thing, when the judge made a comment when we were back there in November, um, my concern was that the detox was going to go very slow, and I, and I was worried that I would have to wait you know, until we were off before I would get my child. And so my attorney, um, Ms. Shipley, brought it up to the judge, and the judge said, she looked directly at me and said, you know, don't worry. She said, I want you to go as slow as your doctor says. You know, she said, um, I wouldn't tell your doctor how to do his job. I don't want someone telling me how to do my job. She made a big show of, you know, just go slow and steady as you're supposed to and not to worry about it. But my concern is that with the child, the baby, and my son's in with my father, but the baby's in foster care, and it's six months, and we've only got two monitor visits a week. What are they going to say in another six months? Well, you know, the child's bonded to the foster family, you know, so we think it's in the baby's best interest. And at that point, maybe it would be, and I don't want that to happen. You know, okay. I mean, I don't hold want on, my baby on. to bond. Sure. Right. Hold on. Hold on. Get a piece of paper and pen because I. And if you can't write this down right now, this show is replayed, and I think um, they tell me that you can go listen to it on demand. So what yes. I'm just about to tell you is extremely, extremely important. Okay. 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 I've, I've got. I've got something here. Go ahead. Okay. You can, you can go so number ahead. one. Number one, in my opinion, and I've okay. been doing this, you know. Uh, uh, for many, many years, you have the right, no matter what the social worker says, get your child back at the six-month hearing. Okay. I don't care if the social worker says, I don't think we shouldn't shouldn't give her child back. You have the right to have a trial. Okay. Did you know that? Yeah, um, I I did. So at the the trial... Mm -hmm. You and your attorney and the father and his attorney will present evidence that you've done everything. As long as you have done everything possible. So they haven't done the drug treatment. Hold on, let me finish. Sorry. As long as you have done everything, you get your child back. Now, if you're on methadone, that's like being on penicillin. It's a right. prescribed medic it's a prescribed medication. 
in my opinion, they cannot use that against you to keep your child away from you. Now, yeah, they're not supposed to. Okay, and so do not yeah. accept. Do not accept. Um, based upon what you've told me, do not accept uh, going another six months. Now, okay. at the trial, at the trial, one of the things that will come up or can come up is the placement of your child and the visitation schedule that you and your husband have. Now, what do I mean by that? Your child is mandated to be placed with a relative. If a relative already already has one child, that relative could take the other child. Okay. What I want you what I want you to do is I want you to make a list of 25 names of relatives, addresses, telephone numbers, emails, and the relationship of that relative to the child. These relatives, okay. they, can live, they can live anywhere in the world. Right. Okay, so they can live in Riverside County. They could live in Los Angeles County. They can live in San Francisco. They can live in Arizona, Nevada. Would that mean the child would, would be moving? Yes, but it's better to have a child with a relative, a friendly relative, than have the child with a foster care person. Right, right. Because in Italy, it doesn't matter. If the relative's in Brazil or China or Japan or Canada, it doesn't matter. Okay? Okay. Now, honestly, I'm going to tell you a secret. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you come up with relatives that live all over the place, all right, they're more likely to approve a relative they would have denied locally because they don't want to lose control of the child by sending the child to New York because the money for the the child follows the child. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden that grandpa who lives, you know, in Riverside that we, that the social worker didn't like when you're about to send this kid to Oklahoma, oh, (laughs) grandpa, you know, all of a sudden, oh, Grandpa's okay. We thought about it. Okay. Right. So now, once you make that list of 25 relatives, give that list to your attorney with a copy of a blank JV 285. 285. Okay. okay. And you can find that form at the clerk's office, or you can go on Google and just type in California Forms JV 285. Google knows all. You understand that? Google yes. knows all. So yeah. You can find that form, and you can give that blank form uh, to your attorney and ask your attorney nicely, or you can email your attorney nicely and say, hey, mm-hmm. file the JV-285s for all of these relatives. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The, when you file it, not only will the judge know, but the social worker will be put on pressure on what they have to do to place that child with a foster parent. Now, by the way, all these 25 names, they don't have to be mm-hmm. blood relatives. They can be relatives okay. by marriage. They could be close family friends. Okay. 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 So, you know, you're, you're, um, you want to do that and talk to your attorney about it, of course. Your husband may mm-hmm. want to do it because he may have 25 different relatives. Now, okay. all of a sudden, they got 50 people where they can place the baby, and they don't have to place the child with the foster care person. Right, so that that eliminates that that. Way. Right, 
Now, okay. also, since you're doing everything, it's my opinion, you should be having frequent visitation, an extended visitation. Okay. Not, I, I think you can argue at the trial or put on evidence that your visit should be unmonitored, that you should, right. have, overnight, that you should have overnights and weekends. I think that you can argue that instead of having your visit once or twice a week, you should be having visits four or five times a week. Right, right. It's my, you know, opinion, it's my opinion. Right. It's my opinion that the social workers, uh, the counties are paid to um, facilitate visitation, but they choose, in my opinion, to use that money somewhere else in their department, and mm. you're stuck with visiting once a week for one hour. Like that's BS. Yeah, that's not what the, that's not what the law meant, meant to set up when they take kids away from parents. You know, you're missing right. valuable bonding time with your child. Absolutely. So insist, insist that, you know, talk to your attorney. Okay. See what he or she has to say. But talk to them about having a trial. You know, a lot of times people tell me, oh, my attorney said we're not going to have a trial because blah, blah, blah. We'll come back in six months. You know, in my opinion, that's, that's exactly the what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you got to fight for your rights. You know, sometimes, you know, attorneys are human beings. And I'm not saying this about your attorney because I don't know your attorney. But attorneys right. are human beings, and sometimes we make our own personal judgments about people. Mm-hmm. So okay. if you, you know, your attorney might think, oh, you don't, you know, you don't deserve your child. Or you need to get clean first. Or you need to get off of this. They, right. they cannot they cannot use methadone against you if it's prescribed by a uh, by a doctor. Yeah, now, that's what we're told. Okay, so that's that's false, right? Whoever told you that, that's false. So if you need to bring your doctor into court to testify, that's what you better do. So I I, I was telling somebody this earlier uh, in the week. They were telling me um, about what had happened at their court hearing and how they mm-hmm. lost their children. And uh, they said, you know, uh, we, you, you don't, you know, we're just going to go in there and argue to the judge, and that'll be your trial. That's not a trial, mm-hmm. because if that's the the only evidence that's going to be in front of the judge is the social worker's report, you're going to automatically right. lose, right? Okay? No matter what you did. So here's here's what a trial is. A trial is where your attorney puts the social worker on the stand and cross examines him or her. A trial is where you bring where you bring every service provider that you've been working with into court, you put them on the stand and you ask them, How's mom been doing in the program? Okay. Now hopefully now, they're gonna say great, but right. So can, your, your parenting instructor your hold on, let me finish. Your parenting okay. instructor, your doctor, your individual therapist, you know, blah, 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 right. blah, blah. Whoever you've been working with their butts need to be in the witness stand, okay? But what if they don't want that to means, come in the court? Is my question. That's why that, that's why God made subpoenas. Oh, perfect. You can go, you can Google juvenile court subpoenas in California, and you'll see the form. You know, you can print it out for your attorney. So okay. you can't you can't, and neither can the father serve the subpoenas. It has to be an adult. 18 years of age or older, and uh, there's a proof of service they have to fill out. You'll talk to your attorney about that. 
I don't know how they do it in Riverside, but I think I think there might be a budget for court-appointed attorneys to have things subpoenaed. Or you know what it is? You know what it is? The sheriff's mm-hmm. department um, is supposed to serve your subpoenas for free. Okay. If you, you can't, if you can't have a friend or relative do it, so have serve the subpoenas. Okay. Bring those witnesses to court. Make them get in the witness stand and tell the judge what's been going on with you. Okay. That, now, that's a, that's a trial, all right? Okay. And every, right. Attorney, gets, every attorney gets to answer at or ask the witnesses questions, examination, cross-examination, but that's a trial. Okay. In my opinion, from what you have told me, okay, now that it may be different, mm-hmm. but from what you've told me, you're entitled to get your child back. Okay. Now, okay. Not in six, not in six months. Right. It's BS. Right. It's BS for the social worker to tell you, oh, you're still on methadone prescribed by your doctor, so uh, we're going to wait six months. That's bull crap. Well, they're trying to turn it into we're not doing the drug treatment program. You know, they're trying to make it so they're not really. Well, we're not saying you have to get off the methadone, but you need to do the drug treatment program. And it's like, well, come on, you know, find one that will let us, you know, go then. So. And by the way, yeah. and by the yeah. way, if you have if you have a trial and you lose, mm-hmm. you file an you file an appeal. Okay. Okay. Wow. So in juvenile in juvenile court, they have a uh, an appeal form that they specially use. So you make sure you file that appeal because I think you're getting the the, the short end of the stick. Listen, I you know I got carried away with you, and I have to move on. We've got oh, a whole bunch of people you, waiting. Thank you. All right. I appreciate your to time. It. Take care. And thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Okay, I appreciate it too. Thanks. Bye bye. Okay, we're going to move right to another call. This is area code seven six zero, ending in four five. Hello, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Get your kids back now. And uh, did you have a question or did you want to share a story? Um, I'll share a story. My kids were Go ahead. taken on uh, the 10th of August for failure, for failure to protect. But at that time, before CPS could take my kids, my kids were up at my mom's. Since they've been in foster care, they've been abused, molested, and the foster mother wasn't watching my four-year-old, and she climbed on a dresser covered in bruises. And the worker, we told the worker everything, and she says we're making it all up, and I've called the hotlines, I've done everything. I finished my classes, and and then they want me to do more, and so that's what I'm doing. But now that they tried to terminate my rights on the 29th of last month, because I called the hotline, because the worker called me and said that my four-year-old might have been molested. Now, mind you, it was the beginning of the month before court, and she wasn't going to have them checked until after court. 
Where is your case? What county? San Bernardino. And the reason why she tried to terminate my rights is because after I called the hotline, she called me. She was cussing me out, telling me I'm a bad mom and everything else. Well, I've done everything I'm supposed to. And we recorded her, but yet she said I'm in the wrong and I wasn't trying to protect my kids. When is your next court date? Uh, September. September. And do you know what? Do you know what type of hearing that is? No. Oh well, I guess it's the last one. When was your last? When was your? When was your last court date? The twenty ninth of March. Yeah, we asked for a hearing, and they denied me a trial and stuff, and they wouldn't give it to me. Yeah, they extended it six more months and stuff. But I've been doing my classes. They wanted me to do six more months of classes and stuff, but the workers ain't working with us. They already tried to adopt my kids out. And they still haven't got my four-and-one-year-old checked to see if they were molested. Because they took him from me because of the false accusations against my uh, ex-boyfriend's mother said that her son might have molested him. And they were in the hospital for like a week, and they were checked for everything. And everything came back normal. They weren't touched or anything. Well, let me ask you a couple questions. Um, you said you, you you wanted a trial at the last hearing and they wouldn't give you a trial? Did the yeah, judge tell you that? Used, my attorney told me that. She said she spoke with the judge and the judge said no. No, the yeah, the judge said she would continue it for six more months and gave me more classes, but I have certificates and stuff. And they're trying to use my disability against me because my, my father was killed in front of me in 96 when I was three. So I suffer from PTSD. And I have a slight learning disability and they're trying to use that against me and say that I'm a bad mother and I can't take care of my kids. Yeah, they said I didn't learn anything from my classes and they want me to take more. Okay. So so is the next hearing in September, are they going to try to terminate your parental rights? We don't. Yeah, they're going to try and terminate my personal rights. Okay. So if your last hearing was March 29th, you only have a certain amount of days, and it may be, it may have been yesterday or it may be Monday, to file what's called a notice of intent to file a writ um, to appeal that hearing. Um, has your attorney told you that? No. They didn't tell us nothing. Okay. 
All right, and so if you've done everything, you want to ask your attorney to file what's called a 388 petition to try to get the children back. Now, what I don't understand is, um, and we haven't really talked about this, but why aren't your children with relatives? Why are they in foster homes? Because they took him from my grandma because my daughter's dad made false accusations and tried to say that my grandparents were molesting him, and it wasn't true. So CPS took well, him. Well, how many relatives do you have, though? Did you listen to the conversation? I, did you listen at all to the conversation I had with the caller before you? Yes. Okay, so I talked about getting twenty-five names of relatives. Did you hear that part of the show? Yes. They said they won't and place them with any of the relatives because they okay. think that yes. I'm going to do something. Okay, so that's not the social worker's decision. It's the judge's decision, and if you never make the request officially, the judge is never going to know. Yeah, and they won't place him with my mom because she has a 2002 case, but we never got taken from her when we were younger. I never lost custody. Let's do this systematically. I want you to make a list of 25 relatives and close family friends that could possibly take the children, all right? And then I'm going to tell you what to do with that list after you make the list, okay? In 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 San, Bernard, in San Bernardino, are you in Department 4, 5, 6, or 7? I think it's 7. Okay, so that's the courtroom all the way at the end of the hallway, right? Yeah, we have a different judge every time we go in. Okay, but I think the woman that is, the judge that is assigned to that particular courtroom, excuse me, in my opinion, is a very fair woman. She's, In my opinion, she's very pro-family. So I want you to make that list, okay? And I want you um, to give that list to your attorney and have the attorney file JV-285s for all of those relatives, or at least talk to your attorney about it, Okay. If you're not getting any satisfaction, if you're not getting any satisfaction with that, and any satisfaction with filing a possible 388 to make sure that your rights are not terminated, you should probably you should probably um, give me a call at my office, and we can further discuss this. You have to move fast. You have to move yeah. fast because April is going to come come around the corner. I mean, September is around the corner. Okay. Yeah, because I'm supposed to be uh, seeing my one-year-old every Wednesday, and the worker took upon herself to change it once a month. Oh, the worker can't do that. Yeah. Can't do that. But so that's what she uh, did, and stuff, and it's just been a big runaround with her. All right. So listen, if you talk to your attorney and you're not getting any satisfactory answers, please call my office. We give you a free initial consultation, and we'll try to help you, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. All righty. I'm going to take another call right now. It's area code 562, ending in 17. 
Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Get your kids back now. Did you have a story you wanted to sh- a story you wanted to share or a question you wanted to ask? Sir, we have a sir, we have a very we have a very bad connection. Okay, I guess we we lost him. I'll take another uh, call from area code five six two, ending in six one. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hello. 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 You're on with Hi. We're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hi. Did you have a Did you have a story you wanted to share or a question you wanted to ask? Um. Both. Go ahead then. Okay, so my daughter was taken away from me. Um, I had placed a restraining order against my boyfriend, and we wanted to dissolve it because we wanted to uh, get back together. About It was a year. The restraining order was for a year. Um, we wanted to get back together. He came back three months into it, into the restraining order. We didn't get a chance to dissolve it, so we got into an altercation out in public. The police arrived. They did me and my boyfriend and took my daughter. Um, so the social worker had, when we were released, the social worker had came to my home. I didn't know the protocol at the time. She had got a hold of of the copies of my restraining order and the and um, the past domestic violence that me and my boyfriend had. I was wondering how to go about that, fighting for my about, daughter. Okay. So how old is your daughter? She's a year. Okay. And uh, did they start a juvenile court case against you in Monterey Park? Yes, it, it'll be on Monday. This is the first hearing. Oh, so you haven't been to court yet? Yes, not yet on, until Monday. And I was looking into your firm. I was speaking with Latell. Oh, yeah, LT. Yeah. Yes. So we were okay. going to work with him, but I, I just need some more information okay. and help. Get a pen and Get a pen and a piece of paper. I'm going to tell you what to do, whether you hire us or not, okay? Okay. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. So as you have been, might have been listening to other callers this morning, I'm really big on making lists of things to do, especially of relatives who can take the child or children. So make a list of 25 names of friendly relatives or close family friends that can take the child or children. Mm-hmm. All right? I go on Google, mm-hmm. print, out the JV, print out the JV 285, and yeah. if, you could have those, if you could have those filled out, and, you know, if we're going to represent you, we're gonna, we'll do that for you. But give, give those to... Um, the attorney, to file in court on Monday so that we can talk about getting this child placed with a, a, a friendly relative right away. Where is the child right now? Foster care or relative? 
foster care. They've had her so for five to, days now. So we need to get the, we need to get the child right away with a relative. Yes. Now I have a visitation I'm gonna get, with her. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Now uh, I'm going to. I'm going to. Sorry. Perfect. So I'm going to tell you some things that um, may not be. Uh, uh, other people may tell you is not good advice, but in my opinion, it is, and I'm going to explain why. I don't think you should be having any conversations with the social worker. Okay. Yes, okay? yes. I made there's, a mistake. There, there's no law that says that you have to. The reason being is because if you talk to the social worker and uh, the social worker is going to gather evidence to use against you. Now, remember something. The social workers are professionals. Yes. They're trained at this. They take classes, they know what they're doing and how to get information, evidence, to use against you. Most of the time, the social worker doesn't have any information or evidence to use against you, right? She gets it from you. She talks, she makes it seem like you have to talk to her. You do not have to talk to her. Now, there's a downside to that. If you don't talk to her, she's likely and put it in her report, oh, mom was uncooperative. She wouldn't talk to me. Okay? Yeah. And that could be a negative thing. But in my opinion, if you talk to the social worker on a scale of 1 to 10, that's a 10 against you. Social workers sometimes have tendencies to exaggerate, misquote, lie. There was yeah. something in the news this this week about Three, two or three or four DCFS social workers lying. They're being prosecuted for lying in social workers' reports. Yes. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Yes. They're being yeah. prosecuted for, for other things, including lying in social worker reports. So if you talk to a social worker on a scale of 1 to 10, in my opinion, it's a 10. Now, if you don't talk to the social worker, it's going to be, it could, could be a negative thing against you with the judge, but on a scale of one to ten, it's a five, five or six. Now, so what do you want? Do you want a five or do you want a ten? Of course, you've got to take the five if you only have two choices. Yeah. Okay? So, mm-hmm. you know, don't talk, don't talk to the social workers because you're going to give them all the evidence they need to keep the child away from you and the father. Yeah. All right. So, a lot of people yeah. in your situ- a lot of people in your situation feel, oh, you know what? I can talk my way out of this. You know, and you can. It's like you going to play basketball against, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant. He's a professional. Yeah. He does this every day, all day. You cannot talk your mm-hmm. way out of it. So usually, you know, the term is lawyer up. Don't discuss anything until you talk to an attorney. Okay, so in order to get ready for the hearing on Monday, you need to get your relatives. Now, the second thing, you need to bring as many friends and relatives to the hearing as possible. Yes. Just the, the, people at, the people at court need to know that, you know, you're not just some woman who nobody cares about. Okay? We yes. want everybody to know that there's a lot of people in the community that are out there that can uh, help you and that care about these children. I, I want to tell you a quick story. I did a case. <clears throat> it's been a few years now, but 
um, the we told our clients to bring friends and relatives. The first day, they probably showed up with over 150 people. Oh, wow. I had never had that happen before. The sheriffs called a meeting. This was in the Lancaster Juvenile Court. The sheriffs called a meeting with the judge and all the attorneys, and they wanted us to send everybody home. Well, we told the judge that this was a public building and that these people Mm -hmm. had a right to be there. They had a right to be there. And, um, you know, the judge couldn't argue with that, and the sheriff was complaining, and he said, you know, well, if they stay, we're going to have to get more deputies, you know, sent up here to help us just in case. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the judge said, well, it looks like you're going to have to get more deputies because, you know, if they're here supporting this family, I can't kick them out of the courthouse. Yeah. And and so uh, they got to stay in on every case. Every every time we had a hearing, there were at least 30 to 50 people there. You know, you tell people, bring friends and relatives, they might show up with, you know, five, six people, ten at the most. Yeah. Uh, and it really, and I can tell you, I, I, in my opinion, it really helped this case in many, many, many ways and on many, many different levels when all those people kept showing up. Because remember, at the top of the show, I told you, judges are voted in and out of office. Right? They may, yeah. Sometimes they're, they're appointed by the governor, but they have to face re-election. And when they know that there are people, there are constituents out there that care about this family, in my opinion, it sometimes, in the back of their mind, makes them want to do, you know, the right thing, which might be going against the social worker. So that's what you should do for the hearing. Um, And, and, you know, I don't know if you're still on good terms with the father after this, you know, incident, but, you know, you, you should probably mention that to him, he may want to do the same thing, you know, if that's in your interest. I, you know, I don't know if you care whether the child is placed with his side of the family or not. Um, it's my opinion, you got to get the child out of the, you know, out of the clutches yeah, of foster care. Generally, you know, foster parents, not all, not all, but generally, um, you know, foster parents are looking to adopt children. Um, I just I, I met with a client last night. As a matter of fact, she has two young babies, um, a one-year-old and a newborn, and um, the kids were placed recently together out of county in Simi Valley, which is you know wrong to begin with. But anyway, the foster mother just told my client she was um, gave notice to turn the kids back in because she thought the case was at the end, so that she could adopt the children. A lot of financial incentives for adopting these children. And um, so when she found out that the case was in the beginning and that the mother of my client is probably going to get her child back, she she wants to get rid of the kids. So we want to make sure that your children or child is not placed in that type of foster home. So that's why you need the list. That's why you need the list that I say that you need to make up and um, get that going. Um, Do you have LT's telephone number? I do. So the restraining order was still active. It's still active until the 1st of November of this year. And since he was with me and because the restraining order was for me and my daughter, but since he was with me on the time, the social worker told me I'm putting, I allowed um, my daughter to be injured. Yeah. Well, so she I mean, the social worker, the social worker, Social worker can say anything she wants, okay? 
Yes. But but a, a good attorney will be able to challenge that, have hearings, try to so, you know show the judge that you should get this child back immediately, and if not, that this child should be placed with a friendly relative immediately. So do me a favor. Yes. Do me a favor and call LT today and see if yes. he, he'll be able to help work something out for you, okay? Yes. Thank you so much. All righty. Thank you for the call. Bye-bye. Okay, I think I might have, um, we have seven minutes left in the show, and I think I might have time to do one more call. It's uh, area code 909, ending in 59. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vincent Davis. Get your kids back Hi, now. Good morning, attorney. A, good morning. Good morning. Do you have a question a question or a story you wanted to share with us? Yes, I have um I have a question. Um since my son, my my eleven years old is already in um his his dad is my ex husband. Is he's in yeah. another state? Um what's gonna happen to him? Like um if my all my classes is done? Is there any way I I can still get him back? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I, in your case, because I should tell my audience, I recognize your voice. You are one of my Uh clients. I won't say your name, but um, in your case, what happened was uh, there was an issue between you and your husband. The children were detained, and you had two children. One had a father who lived out of state, and, of course, the baby lives here. Um, the baby's in foster care, and we're getting trying to get the child with relatives right now. But for that child, that, that 11-year-old who lives out of state, what we plan on doing is fighting for the child to be placed back with you uh, in the juvenile dependency case. As long as, you know, you're participating in all of your classes, and I'll say what's called the family reunification plan, um, I think that we'll be able to do that within the juvenile case. Now, worst-case scenario... If we are not able to do that in the juvenile dependency case, um, uh, your case will be closed, the child placed with the father, and what can happen is we can then file in family law court to get the child back. Okay, so you'll you'll have two bites at the apple in order to get your son back, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Okay, uh, we have about four minutes left. Let me try to take one more call. Period code 562, ending in 17. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vincent Davis. And can you hear me? I can hear you Hello. loud and clear. Can you hear, hear me okay? Yes. Yeah, hi. Um, I um. I know it's a short time here. The, the biggest thing I'm having a hurdle with is I keep getting my um, my uh, dependency six-month hearing postponed. It was supposed to be held in December. Then it got postponed to February, then March, and now it goes to May. And um, it's, um, it's, uh, it's very frustrating because there seems to be nothing can be done until we have this um, – six-month hearing, and then I'm told now it's no longer a six-month hearing. It'll be a 12-month hearing, and supposedly I lost my six-month hearing. Well, you, well, it's not your fault, but your attorney should never allowed you, have allowed you to lose your six-month hearing. Uh, what county is your case in? 
it's in it's in Orange County. It's in dependency court, and um, it um, it um, uh, I met with a social uh, worker um, last week, and uh, she said we'll have the twelve months coming up in May. I said, why well, I mean, had the six months? Even my native uh, heritage, my native Indian heritage issue, has not been addressed from day one. So. Um, I just seem to be going backwards, um, and I know time's running out, so. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have Native Native American Indian heritage in you? Yes, I have. It was filed at the very beginning, but they've gotten no correspondence back. There's there's a, a part supposed to be done about that, and uh, it's, uh, I guess. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this. Is my office representing you? Yes, it is. Okay. So one of the first things that we need to talk about when uh, the show ends later today is I want you to call my office make an appointment because if nothing has been done about the Native American heritage, we can make a motion to have everything thrown out because the court can't do what's called the disposition hearing, and that's a precursor to the six- and the 12-month hearing. You've got to have the disposition first. can't do the disposition unless... Indian American Indian notice has been given under something called the ICWA statutes, the uh, Indian Child Welfare Act. So if 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 that has not been addressed uh, or even given notice to the tribes, um, that's an I won't say an easy way, but that's a way to start this case all over. Would you? Um, what's your first name? Uh, Robert. I'm say it again. Robert. Okay, Robert, this is what I want you to do after this show ends this morning, because my secretary should be there in about 30 minutes. Um, I want you to call and make, up, make a phone call, uh, appointment to talk to me today or tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, Sunday. That's how important this is, today or tomorrow. Yes, sir. Okay, Robert? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Thank you for calling in, and um, I'll be talking to you soon. You bet. I'm sorry again for my, uh, my phone uh, cutting out earlier in the show. Okay, no problem. Thank you for calling. Okay, we're reaching the end of our show, and I just want to mention a few things. If you have a juvenile dependency case, it's important that you have competent legal representation. All attorneys are not experts or have the experience to practice in juvenile dependency law. You want to make sure that you find an attorney either your court-appointed attorney or a private attorney who has that experience. Number two, you should be informed. Inform yourself. Go to our website, and I have a book that you can download. It's called uh, The Secret, How to Fight CPS and Win. Get that book. I especially wrote it for parents and relatives. It's less than 70 pages, and it's written in non-legalese. So it should be, hopefully, an easy read for you. It gives you an overview of the entire process. The last thing I want to tell you and stress is vote. Please register to vote and pay attention to the Superior Court judge um, elections. Those are the people who are going to end up in juvenile court ruling on your cases. We want to make sure they are family-friendly judges. We'll see you next week on the radio on Get Your Kids Back Now. Thank you for listening.